We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we talk about Judaism through the lens of pop culture and pop culture through the lens of Judaism. And as always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I am Rabbi Michael Knopf. And on today's episode, we are talking about the Netflix miniseries, The Fall of the House of Usher, a miniseries, a, a gothic horror miniseries um, created by Mike Flanagan, based loosely on various works, including the titled work of the show uh, by 19th century poet Edgar Allan Poe from Baltimore, by the way, uh, Mike. What can you tell us about this uh, gothic, uh, bit scarier uh, than I thought it would be miniseries? Yeah. So, okay. A few things uh, to pull on there. First of all, uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, was, uh, I believe, from Baltimore, uh, but lived uh, in his time in a number of different places, including uh, Richmond, Virginia. Um, so he realized that Baltimore wasn't really a great place to live and, uh, and, and uh, you know, made his way uh, uh, down south. Throw uh, some shade. Feel free to uh, at uh, ask yeah, Rabbi Knopf. We even have a the Poe House and Museum here in Richmond. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe's legacy looms large over my uh, adopted hometown. Uh, so, for the uh, record, Baltimore named their football team because of Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> okay, um, I was trying to think of something clever to say there. I couldn't think of anything clever to say. <laughs> uh, Keeping that in. Keeping that in, that's fine. That's that's. I think you could probably title the show. Mike tries to think of something clever to say. Couldn't think of anything clever to say. Um, so, like you said, the fall of the House of Usher is really, in a lot of ways, a love letter to all things Edgar Allan Poe. It is loosely based on uh, Poe's short story by the same name uh, about the uh, uh, about the uh, downfall of a of a particular uh, family, uh, but it also incorporates a lot of elements and a lot of references, uh, a lot of themes of other Poe works. Uh, including um, uh, the cask of Amontillado, uh, the Raven. Uh, that, that's probably Poe's most famous work. Uh, his short story, uh, his poem, rather, uh, the Raven. Uh, uh, the Mask of the Red Death. Um, uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue. The Gold Bug. A pit in the Pendulum. Uh, it's really all there, and that's one of the fun things of the show, at least for me, as being a Poe fan, um, is kind of you know spotting the references. People do that when they watch Marvel movies, Star Wars movies. They look for the Easter eggs. Uh, they spot the like kind of throwaway and thematic references to other things, and that's very much present in in this uh, in this show as well with all of Poe's works. I am told that there is a uh, larger kind of horror universe by this uh, same showrunner, Mike Flanagan, uh, who has done uh, other works on Netflix, uh, like The Haunting of Hill House, etc. Uh, and that there are also kind of cross references and, and callbacks to his other work as well. People are calling it the Flanagan verse or the Flanaverse or whatever. Interesting. Um, I'm, I'm so waiting. I'm waiting for the their version of Endgame, I guess. 
We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what all happens. Uh, but uh, but anyway, the, this is an updated version of the fall of the House of Usher. It's set, it's set in modern times in 2023 uh, with uh, Roderick Usher um, is a wealthy and powerful CEO of a corrupt pharmaceutical company called Fortunato Ph- Pharmaceuticals, uh, which is uh, modeled in the vein of Purdue Pharma. Uh, they created a, a, a drug uh, that uh, is... Uh, very similar to uh, um, OxyContin, uh, uh, an opioid that is responsible for. Which Netflix and Hulu have also covered the, the, the true stories of, of Purdue Pharma and, and the opioid epidemic uh, and miniseries as well. Correct. Uh, and so uh, we're, we're kind of situated in the story uh, uh, in the aftermath of a, uh, a, a criminal trial of Roderick Usher and the Usher family and uh, Fortunato Pharmaceuticals um, about this drug and the opioid epi- how it's contributed to the opioid ep- epidemic in America. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, we have a kind of a succession plot. So this is almost like gothic succession uh, where you have uh, all of uh, Roderick Usher's children uh, kind of uh, vying and competing with one another uh, or conspiring with one another uh, to eventually take over uh, the the the, uh, the company from their father. Uh, you have uh, from the oldest to the youngest, there's Frederick Usher, Tamerlan Usher, who are the only uh, two of uh, uh, Roderick Usher's children born to the same mother. Um, there's Victorine, Camille, uh, Napoleon, and Prospero. Uh, and uh, we also have uh, uh, Roderick's, uh, Roderick Ushers, by the way, played uh, uh, by Bruce Greenwood as an older man, um, uh, and uh, uh, Roderick's twin sister, uh, uh, Madeline Usher, uh, played by uh, Mary McDonnell. Uh, they are, um, in some ways, uh, haunted by a, a, a figure, a mysterious figure, uh, who we uh, don't know about until spoiler alert toward the end. Uh, and uh, Jesse has not seen every episode of this series, so we, we we can talk about whether we want to get into spoiler territory. Well, I know based on the first episode that all the children are dead. Yes, just a, that is not a spoiler. A, yes. Uh, and each of the episodes uh, uh, essentially centers on on how each of those children died, uh, more or less, and, and the circumstances under which they died. So uh, if you're looking for a real uplifting <laughs> show to watch during these challenging times. Uh, right, exactly. Uh, although, you know, in some ways, escapism, uh, because uh, it's sort of for, that's the, the function of horror movies and, and monster movies and things like that, as they force us to, to sort of confront uh, that which terrifies us. Um, but uh, uh, there's a mysterious figure who is kind of uh, threaded throughout the, the series, uh, played by Carla uh, Gugino, uh, 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 named Verna. We don't really know all that much about her until uh, it's revealed at the end who uh, she really is uh, in, the, in the course of things. Um, and also uh, a prosecutor named uh, Auguste Dupin, uh, a, a U.S. attorney who has spent his life trying to uh, prosecute and bring Roderick Usher down. Uh, And so the series uh, uh, kind of operates on three different levels. Uh, It one kind of chronicles the the story of August Dupin's uh, uh, hunting of uh, Roderick Usher and the Usher family uh, and, uh, and, and trying to bring them down for their, you know, crimes against, uh, against humanity. Uh, The succession battle uh, for the Usher family fortune uh that uh that 
leads to or or coincides with the death of these uh, six children and the kind of longer arc and story of uh, Roderick and Madeline Usher's uh, lives uh, and uh, how they intersect with this uh, uh, dark and mysterious figure played by Carla uh, uh, Gugino. Uh, Gugino or Gugino? Um, how uh, Gugino, I think. Okay, um, great. Uh, who I know and love uh, more than anything else uh, from uh, the uh, uh, main character in uh, the 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 great uh, Polly Shore film, Son-in-Law. Uh, I thought you were going to call her out for the Spy Kids trilogy. Uh, that is a favorite in my household, but that's not where she holds a special place in my heart. Uh, all right, so let's let's get into it. Jesse, what did you think of The Fall of the House of Usher? You know, as I said, I have not seen the whole miniseries as, as Mike has. Um, I was not expecting for it to be as dark as it was. Although, of course, you know, uh, it is based on various works of Edgar Allan Poe, which are very dark. It came out also right before Halloween. So it was part of Netflix pre-Halloween new releases. Uh, so so the dark escapism plays a part in the season as well. Um, for me, uh, I think what really stands out is the connection between wealth and power and corruption and eventual death slash punishment slash consequence. As the series um, continues, uh, it, it comes out, right, that um, uh, all is not as it seems, right? The the true story of this family is unveil- unveiled. The deep, dark secrets of the Usher family uh, is revealed. Um, and are these deaths punishment for that? It's unclear, at least initially. But I do think that what Edgar Allan Poe is trying to offer is a deep connection uh, that wealth does not equal happiness um, and that wealth does not equal blessing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think that that in the course of the show, we're, we're kind of forced to confront the question of whether these deaths of, of, uh, of Roderick Guster's children are you know uh, his just desserts uh for for what he's for what he's done um and it and it turns out over the course of the of the series uh that it's it's not so much uh the uh the you know uh, uh, you know just just desserts for what he's done um as it was a uh, um uh, an agreement that he made to begin with that he would be able to build what he needed to build um even if it came at the expense of uh, everyone that he, you know, purported to love around him, uh, because ultimately, what the show uh, uh, reminds that, you know, if 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 your primary goal is the pursuit of wealth and power, um, what you love the most is the pursuit of wealth and power. Then that means that you're willing to sacrifice just about anything in order to uh, get it, including those who are closest to you. Um, this the show, I think, really does call to mind, you know, what is um, what is most important. What is most valuable uh, to us? What are we willing to, you know, build our lives on? What are we willing to strive for? What are we willing to risk for? What are we willing to uh, to, to die for? Uh, and what are we willing, maybe even to kill for? Right? For uh, Roderick Usher in the series, what what he's willing to kill for 
uh, even kill people who are, or at least cause the deaths of those who are closest to him for, um, is uh, is to, you know, to make it to the top of this industry um, and to have no consequences for his actions in the, uh, in, in the climb to get there. Um, I, I think that that's actually really present in, in Poe's stories. I think that's why the, the horror form uh you know really fits him well right the the raven is just an example that that comes to mind where um you know the what uh uh um you know uh, the the uh sitting in the grief um of uh of of long lost love um is where the narrator and protagonist of that poem uh uh you know uh finds finds meaning right and and so because he's not uh, in actively in the pursuit of of life, a life beyond his long lost love, right? Then he becomes haunted by her ghost, essentially, right, and driven to madness because of it, right? So in some ways, we uh, I think one of the one of the things the show is pointing out, which is present in in Poe's writings, um, is that you know we often um, get the consequences of our actions that we have designed through our actions, even if it's not what we necessarily. Uh, you know, would would want to happen. I think we can't forget that um, Edgar Allan Poe was a uh, struggling artist, right? So he talks about wealth and the pain and suffering that comes from ultimate wealth uh, because he was a broke poet, uh, right? That um, he only earned $6,200 in his lifetime adjusted for inflation, that's about $191,000 uh, in his lifetime. Um, he was poor. He was an artist. He was a writer, uh, but but he was poor. And I, I think uh, that speaks to his, because he did not experience wealth and because he felt like he could write without needing wealth, does that speak to uh, the concerns and, and that he places on the idea of great wealth and that he places on the power and corruption that he associates with wealth. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that it raises the, the uh, a question. I think that the, I wonder what your sense is, you know, from, from the Jewish tradition, right? Is there something um, inherent about the possession of or pursuit of wealth um, that is, uh, uh, that that Jewish tradition would characterize as as evil. Let's just you know use use a simplistic term, right? Uh, or is it or is wealth a, a you know kind of moral neutral, uh, but it can produce uh, uh, evils, you know, if one isn't careful. But no different necessarily than uh, than poverty could. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, certainly rabbinic tradition places more importance on joy and happiness, right? And it says, Eze, we, we quote this all the time, right? Eze hu ashir samech bechalko, right? Who is rich, one who's happy with their portion. Uh, and the idea that wealth does not equal happiness. In fact, it's often the opposite. The more that you have, the more that you want. Um, and certainly Perkevot also acknowledges that ultimately, um, all that we do should be for the sake of God and not for the sake of material possessions. Uh, I say it's easy to say we also need to have a roof over our heads. We also need to have food on our tables. We also have to have clothing on our backs. So it's easier said than done. 
Um, and we also want to give our kids the blessings of this world. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but uh, I think rabbinic tradition does speak to the idea that wealth um, is can lead to evil ways. While understanding that most of the fame, most of the most famous rabbis in rabbinic tradition did not just sit around and study Torah all day, right? They were rabbinic, brilliant rabbinic Torah scholars. And they owned vineyards and wineries. They were doctors and and, and teachers, right? right? They made a living in other ways and studied Torah as a side hustle, really. Right. Uh, You know, I I think it's it's noteworthy that, you know, for example, the book of Deuteronomy uh, uh, talks about uh, wealth having a pernicious tendency uh, to to produce uh, arrogance uh, and um, uh, and and callousness uh, in, in in us, right? And I think that part of the reason for that, uh, first of all, is that there there is, I think, uh, uh, there does tend to be an association between uh, wealth and power and wealth and privilege. And and more wealthy you are, um, the more of a sense that uh, that that one, um, you know, I, I have the means to do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. So it produces that sort of uh, haughtiness. Uh, but also, um, I, I think that this is sort of like a psychological deflection. You know, uh, there, there's a piece of us always, you know, when we look at the uh, uh, inequality that might exist around us that, that feels, uh, at least internally, even if we can't name it, feels a little guilt about that. Um, and so the the uh, projection about that um, is to say, you know, well, I built this, right? I pulled myself up from the bootstraps and I and I was able to, to, to do this. Right. And to say, you know, therefore, by implication, if other people don't have what I have, it's because they didn't work hard enough or like weren't as smart as I was or whatever it is. Right. And uh, and so Deuteronomy says, you know, very explicitly, like, you know, lest there be a base thought in your heart, you know, when you have when you when you're when the land you know yields for you, it's great bounty. I right? say like it was because of me that this happened. Right. Um, you should remember that it was God that enabled these blessings to happen. In other words, right. To say that there was. uh uh, we we don't use this terminology religiously often, but there was a certain amount of there's always a certain amount of luck that uh, goes into our success, um, and also a certain amount of uh, uh, it, it, luck is one way of thinking about it, or just forces beyond our control, right? Uh, Elizabeth Warren, I think, famously said uh, this got a little bit uh, uh, butchered a bit in Barack Obama's President Obama's redelivery of it, uh, but but Elizabeth Warren. Uh, uh, pointed out, you know, you have a business and you've been successful at it. That's great. Right. But, you know, you brought your goods to the market on roads that everybody paid for. Right. You uh, uh, the 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 uh, the uh, crops that produced your raw materials, you know, weren't grown by you and were, you know, uh, uh, kind of uh, cultivated through subsidies that we all paid for. Right. So in other words, there's there's a whole ecosystem that goes into uh, 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 that goes into uh, any one person's success and failure um, that is often unnamed by the person who's experiencing those things. Um, uh, and especially someone who's experiencing uh, 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 the benefits of wealth um, uh, sometimes wants to avoid naming those things. So uh, so that is, I think, something that, that Jewish tradition says is, is unique to wealth. And there's another pernicious uh, feature of wealth. This is something that's reflected in the in the show as well, how it insulates us or enables us to be insulated uh, from the need that exists all around us. 
right? So, uh, so Roderick Usher uh, can create a uh, an opioid uh, and tell himself um, that it is, um, you know, just serving a need out there. That you know that 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 if they didn't produce it, anybody else would produce it, um, and that if anybody becomes addicted to it, it's their own problem, um, uh, without actually having to ever really be confronted uh, by the by the pain and suffering and loss uh, that is caused. By that, uh, uh, by that, by that drug. So there's a great story in the Talmud where um, uh, there's a, a man who is frequently visited by Elijah the prophet. Uh, but when he uh, builds around his uh, 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 neighborhood um, a guardhouse with a locked door, Elijah stops visiting him. And uh, 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 Rashi comments on that. Uh, the, the great medieval commentator comments on that passage, saying. Elijah stops visiting him because the locked door in the guardhouse made it impossible for the wealthy man uh, uh, with whom Elijah used to visit to hear the cries of the poor on the outside. And because he had closed himself off to the needs of the poor, um, Elijah stopped visiting him. Like redemption can't happen when we close ourselves off. And so, so much of the story of the fall of the house of Usher is uh, is is kind of building up to this crescendo where Roderick Usher has to actually confront a the the magnitude and reality of loss in the first place right he's caused other people's children to die and now he has to see what it means when his own children die sometimes in very gruesome and horrific ways sure. um uh, and uh and and also be kind of put face to face haunted by um the reality of those deaths in ways that maybe he should have been all throughout but because he was making such a fortune for himself he didn't have to look at it you know, it's interesting. You mentioned that that this miniseries is clearly um, making connection to Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Um, and I think about how the Sackler family, right, of Purdue Pharmaceuticals also gave a lot of money right, to different institutions. There are schools and universities named after them. There are schools of medicine named after them. Um there, there's an idea that, right, the more wealth you accumulate, the more tzedakah there is to give to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate, right, there are people like Bill Gates who have decided to give, right, say that I'm not leaving any money for my kids. There's no inheritance. You have enough, and I am going to give it all to to tzedakah. Um, but is that an acceptable excuse, right, if the acquiring of that wealth is tainted, is giving it to Sadaka tainted as well? Is that an act of chuva that is being done? Um, or uh, is is that, I, I don't know, is uh, that wealth questionable? And so that Sadaka, that donation is questionable as well. Yeah, well, I think it's it's complicated by, uh, by the, by the placement of the name with the donation. Right. So, you know, so if what we want to say is, you know, like, can a university, museum, nonprofit uh, take money uh, uh, from from somebody who has you know, who has who has get, got gained that money, you know, in some untoward way? Um, I, I obviously think that there's not a, you know, a, a, a universal standard for this thing kind of depends on what the crime is, whatever. But let's say that that may be true for some of the reasons that you said, right? Is that, you know, first of all, like, you know, we don't, we don't know that the, 
money is uh is you know coming from uh you know uh, coming from from this origin um that it gives you know like we may not agree with what they did to make the money but at least they're this way they're using the money in a way that can that can help other people and i think that there are arguments to be made there where, where it gets i think much more clear is about like whether you know whether you can continue uh especially once once it becomes clear what that person did uh, to to get that money, can you put their name on a building in a way that um, that first of all honors the the person who gave the donation um, and uh, uh, adds to the story about their life in a way that de de detracts from or distracts from the crimes that they committed? Um, that's a different story. Right. And that and that goes into right a whole conversation about giving anonymously anyway, right? Rabbi Yanai teaches uh, in Chagiga that uh, once saw somebody give publicly give money to the poor, and he said it would have been better if you gave it uh, if you had not given it to him uh, at all than given it to him publicly. Um, that's a little bit different because it's talking about the public, you know, embarrassment of the individual needing uh assistance but it is talking about the idea of public versus private donation or since this is a pop culture podcast right to reference uh rabbi michael scott uh, uh, of the office fame right there's that that great line he had when he said when i retire i don't want to just disappear to an island somewhere i want to be the guy who gives everything back i want to be like hey who donated that hospital wing that's saving so many lives um well uh i don't know it was anonymous well guess what that was michael scott but it was anonymous. How do you know? Because I'm him, right? <laughs> so, so he even even with uh, an anonymous gift, he wanted to be recognized for that anonymous gift. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I think that uh, talking about Purdue Pharma, it's it's a it's I think a really uh, you know ins instructive example, right? Because you know there are uh, uh, there are lives that have been you know broken and 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 shattered you know beyond repair by uh by Purdue pharmaceutical um that even if you know all of those organizations were to give back that money and you know and and then that money was to be dispersed to the victims of the crime it still wouldn't repair the damage um and you know one can argue that uh that you know that that those gifts in the way that they you know benefit the larger society um you know, obviously don't repair the damage that has been done, um, but do something constructive in society that needs to be done uh, uh, to, you know, enable a better future for everybody. Um, so, phil so philanthropy can be an act of chuva of sorts. Uh, I mean, it can't. I mean, even Maimonides talks about philanthropy being an act of chuva, right? It's, it's among the pathways of chuva, uh, Maimonides says in the... Um, in in uh, the laws of, of repentance in, in the Mishnah Torah, you know, among the pathways of tshuva um, are are not only you know crying out to God and uh, and and you know feeling extreme remorse for your transgression, uh, working to uh, to you know uh, 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 attain forgiveness uh, from the person who you've harmed. All of those things are important aspects of of tshuva, but but among them are tzedakah. And I think one of the reasons is not because there's something magical about tzedakah. Um, you know, when we say uh, in uh, the High Holiday Liturgy, that Chuvat Filat Sadaka Ma'avirin at Roa Hagzera, that that repentance, uh, prayer, and uh, and and charity or, or or acts of justice, uh, uh, overturn uh, the severity of the decree. Um, it, it's not it's not as though like your the act of Sadaka is is, a, is like saying Shazam and then something magical happens or, or you know Abracadabra. 
Um, it is saying that you are contributing to a future that is uh, that 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 is better than the past that you've created. Um, uh, and uh, you know, again, it's not saying that it's going to uh, undo you know whatever just desserts you might uh, 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 merit. Right, but it is going to create conditions for a better future for everybody, uh, and and minimize the possibility or minimize the 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 badness of a of of the of a decree in kind of like a larger sense. Mike, can I ask you because you've seen all of Fall of the House of Usher? Um, besides talking about the 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 tension between wealth and power, what are the Jewish lessons that you think we can take from the show? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So I think that, uh, uh, some of them we have been, uh, talking about, I mean, I think that the, that the show really does, uh, 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 unpack the, uh, pernicious effects of wealth and of the pursuit of wealth, um, how it, uh, can, uh, make us, uh, uh, callous to, uh, the lives of the people around us and our relationship to them. Um, and indifferent to the uh, and unaware of the suffering that exists all all around us. Um, and I think that that is something that the Jewish tradition has a lot to say about. I mean, I think that, you know, so often um, that that is the critique of the uh, prophetic of, of the prophets in, in the prophetic literature um, is that uh, um, is that, you know, uh, uh, the accumulation of wealth um, is uh, is is never morally neutral. Um, it you know the, uh, it, it is it is almost always coming at the expense of another, sometimes built on the exploitation of another. Um, and the doubly pernicious thing about wealth um, is that it uh, 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 enables us to think that uh, that you know that that we attain that innocently, purely innocently, uh, in part by uh, cordoning ourselves off from you know the need of the people. Who uh, on whose backs we've we've built it, and you can see that all in our society as well today, right? I mean, and and we're we're all in some ways complicit uh, in that, especially those of us uh, in the uh, in in the developed world. Um, but you know, I have a very um, a life of a lot of ease and convenience, um, and just to name a couple of the features that are built on the exploitation of others, right? I I have access to cheap chocolate that I eat decent quantities of. Um, but the reason that that chocolate is so cheap, our, our, our listeners don't aren't able to tell how many quantities because they can only hear you. They can't see you. That's right. That's right. So you'll just have to imagine how much chocolate it is that I eat. Um, but, uh, you know, we just celebrated Halloween. I was thinking about this all Halloween. Uh, how, you know, we had like people, it's like, you know, giving away, uh, uh, chocolate, like it's, you know, like, like it's air. Right. Um, but very often that chocolate is not produced in the most uh, let's say uh, uh, just of labor conditions. Um, so we have to reckon reckon with that. Like our celebration, our joy, our delight, um, uh, our ease of access to things is built on the exploitation of others. I uh, have a very nicely air conditioned home, uh, and I use it, you know, uh, almost without thinking, um, recognizing uh, that not only is it contributing to you know the warming of the entire planet, but it is particularly affecting uh, uh, those. Uh, of, uh, of of far less means uh, than me and far uh, much uh, much more difficult lives than than I uh, 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 and making you know uh, them as the uh, those who will feel the impacts of that climate change first right so um, 
uh, you can name, uh, I have an iPhone in my pocket, right? That, uh, uh, that is, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uses materials that are harvested in places that I am, you know, unaware of. And uh, likely, uh, if I were aware of, uh, would not like how they were harvested uh, and put together uh, under conditions uh, that if I were fully aware of them, probably would not like it. Um, but it's part of my life. So we so we we see the ways always in our lives in which this is exactly what the pr prophets are are challenging us on, calling us about is that you know th that the accumulation of of wealth um, is is rarely if ever morally neutral. So I think that that's really that's something that the show forces uh, us to. Confront. That's a really good point. And our privilege with that wealth is that we don't always have to understand or grapple with um, how we get the things that we get. Right. That that wealth also means that you're sort of at the the top of this pyramid and this uh, survival of the fittest. And we don't have to focus on right the conditions of the laborers who um, uh, who harvest and pick our vegetables or who uh, make our clothing um, and how that is transported to from one part of the world to another for our own privilege and benefit. Wealth allows us to uh, ignore that. And, you know, the, the wealthier you are, the more we put that in the back of our minds, but the more we need to keep that at the forefront of our minds. Right. Uh, you know, the additional or related thing that, uh, that, that, uh, the whole series, I think, points out is um, the uh, the role of our priorities in in our lives and and in, in uh, determining our outcomes, right? So, what you know, what what's your what's your high value? And I think that it's you know, it's not. It always strikes me uh, that when when the Torah tells us, you know, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, you know, Hero Israel, the Infinite, our God, the Infinite is one. When it uh, 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 rails against um, uh, idolatry and uh, and and polytheism. Um, it's not uh, making that statement in those claims um, as a mathematical statement or even as an artistic statement, right? What it's what it's saying is um, here's what your uh, highest value should be, your highest priority should be. There should be you know nothing else more important than than pursuit or upholding of this value. Whereas in a, in a polytheistic context there are you know competing claims for high values right and uh, and and maybe even completing images uh, of of what the high value is meaning that like some uh, people things are more godly uh, than others and some things are less uh, godly than others and i think that you know what what we continue to see in the fall of the house of usher is you know roderick usher usher's pursuit of power was and wealth was his was his high value he was willing this is now I'm going to get into spoiler territory. He was willing to sell his soul uh, for uh, for that uh, uh, for for that privilege, and the death of his children um, is the price ultimately that he's uh, paying for uh, for 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 that sale of his soul. That's that was the that was the deal that he had made with the devil, who is um, uh, uh, she's never called Satan or the devil, but played by the character mysterious character played by Carla Giugino. Um, so, uh, so we ah. see, ah, so we, uh, so we see the, the, um, you know, these, these bargains that we make, right. That all have a price, right. There is a price too 
of uh, uh, placing God as our highest priority and what exactly that means. Uh, but uh, but uh, but that's the that's the deal that the Jewish tradition is inclining us to make is um, is is to make everything oriented toward that high ideal, right? And sort of recognizing kind of what falls into place because of that. Um, uh, but you see that in each of the in each of the characters in each of the deaths of the children, um, they are all uh, almost all. Uh, 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 you know, the, the 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 tragedy or the comedy of their deaths, the way they're depicted in the show, is that they're all um, uh, they all happen through those characters chasing whatever their high ideal is or their high value is, right? Whether it is like you know to 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 scoop a story from uh, and uh, to you know to have a, a privileged position among your your siblings, or if it's uh, uh, you know to um, uh, 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 to um, uh, uh, to 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 create you know the 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 you know the great hedonistic party of the century uh, right or to get your parent your father's love right finally to you know to be the person who uh, um, to uh, who who they see as being worthy whatever it is right this is like each of the character each of those children uh, meet their doom you know they didn't necessarily deserve the um the 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 fate that befalls them uh because that was you know something that was baked in from the deal that uh Roderick made and Madeline made with the devil um but i mean first of all they almost each of them deserve what came to them because they were all terrible in their own right um uh but also um that they uh, that they in part get what comes to them uh, because it reflects how they died in pursuit of what was really most important to them in the first place as opposed to, you know, uh, um, other things that our tradition say, where you're in, in kind of prioritizing God, like what's what's most important in that, right? Uh, life, uh, love, uh, justice, um, uh, truth, right? These are the things that are that that we're supposed we're called to uh, 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 prioritize above anything else, um, and, and not our own uh, privilege, uh, position, uh, power, pleasure. Um, right. But it's a, because it's about putting others first before we put ourselves. Right. It's about putting community and God and, and family uh, and the most vulnerable. Right. Before we put ourselves. Um, I think that that is a really good point. Uh, knowing that the show is part of this sort of larger potential um, universe. Uh, and as an as an aside, right, Carla Gugino is also part of. Uh, haunting of Hill House, um, the haunting of Bly Manor, the and the fall of the House of Usher. Um, mm -hmm. Something to to keep in mind. Um, what are the takeaways that we want our our listeners to to think of going going forward? Is it simply? Uh, it can't be simply wealth is bad. Uh, it's it's right. Um, how we acquire that wealth and what we do with that wealth. Um, and where, uh, right, because wealth is an opportunity to do good in this world. Uh, mm -hmm. And frankly, wealth is needed in this world for us to sustain ourselves, for us to create happiness. That There's, there's right, who is rich, one who's happy with what they have, uh, is great in theory, but also not in reality. Uh, because to be happy with what we have, um, except we all want to go on vacation and we all want to be able to spoil our children and, and give them gifts. It's the holiday season. We all want to be able to 
um, uh, go out for nice dinners. Um, it's not as simple as, you know, you're rich if you're happy with what you have. It uh, Wealth is not a bad thing. It's about um, making sure that I think, as you said, Mike, um, we don't forget the most vulnerable among us. And we understand the blessings that we have in that wealth to give back to those who don't have. And I think that that is um, the, the warning that this mini series gives us is um, when wealth makes you think that you are invincible um, and all powerful, um, that becomes ultimately your own downfall. Uh, giving Sadaka is an important reminder of the vulnerability of others, but also of ourselves. Yeah, you know, I think that the one thing I would add to that is uh, is is that it's um, not so much about you know is is wealth bad, uh, but is wealth pursued for wealth's own sake bad, right? Is power pursued for power's own sake bad? I think we're seeing that in our political life uh, now too. Right? There's no there, there, there's there's it doesn't feel sometimes that there's uh, enough of a of a greater sense of the purpose of power right uh um such that you know if i attain power by means that are contrary to the purpose uh that that you know that i envision for it right or uh or or am i willing to give up power if it means i have to uh, uh compromise my sense of larger purpose with it right um that's a that's uh that's i think where the where the question comes in right so it's not a you know to uh, because because i love my family and want to be able to provide for them i want to uh attain a degree of you know financial stability and, and security um you know is that is that a uh, wrong in and of itself no of course not right um but is it you know because i love my family uh and they are um, you know, so dramatically important, more important to me than any other, you know, child in the world that it doesn't really matter who I have to hurt or kill in order to get that wealth so that such that I can provide for my family. Like that may be a little bit more difficult, right? So to be able to kind of like hold our um, priorities in perspective um, and to say that, you know, uh, wealth uh, is a potential means to an end, right? But But shouldn't be the end to itself. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Uh, you know, I think that uh, that the other that the that the final uh, piece, uh, you know, of this uh, that uh, um, uh, that that Jewish tradition would have us, uh, I think, uh, reflect on and, and resonate with is um, uh, the way in which uh, you know our. Uh, this is to paraphrase, not something Jewish, but uh, something American literature. Faulkner uh, is is reported to have said, um, you know, the, the past isn't dead. It isn't even past. Um, meaning to say that that the consequences of our actions are always alive with us. Uh, and that is, you know, something revealed in, uh, in, in the fall of the House of Usher and something very present in Poe's literature too. He was a, he was a man who was haunted by his past, haunted by his demons. By the way, just as a, an aside about Poe's past, he was born in Baltimore. I'm uh, sorry, you, excuse me. He was born in Boston uh, and then uh, grew up in Richmond, eventually lived in uh, Baltimore among some other places. Um, so uh, take that for whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, Baltimore was more of an adopted town by Poe than, than Richmond. Um, uh, but uh, but Poe was a person who was you know, very much haunted by the ghosts of his past. He wrote stories about people who were haunted by the ghosts of their past. 
the show Fall of the House of Usher is about a man who is very literally haunted by the ghosts of his past. And that's not only true, you know, for those of us who have, you know, uh, made mistakes in our lives. I mean, I think that that's true. And sometimes those mistakes live with us. Um, uh, but but also true no matter what, right? Uh, that that's that's the 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 um, the the in, in, on one hand the importance of chuva is the way that we move beyond uh, those you know mistakes of our past that 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 plague us that hold us back, um, but also the reality uh, that once we do a thing, it cannot be easily undone. Well, right. That's that's the the story of, about the, the Hasidic tale about um, somebody who speaks Lashon Haran is told right. to uh, take their pillow and, and empty it out and let the, the feathers spread out and then collect the feathers. And they say that it's impossible to collect all these feathers. It's a reminder that our actions have consequences. Um, we hope that we learn from those consequences. Doing tshuva is not how we erase our past. Right, a, a fresh start is not a necessarily a blank canvas, uh, as, as if our, our previous actions disappear. It's not hitting the reset button and starting the level over, but it's moving onward and starting a new direction, a new journey, based on our past, learning from those mistakes. Well, we want to know what you thought of the fall of House of Usher and this conversation. Uh, as always, we hope that you'll. Uh, rate and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever get, you get your podcast so that other people can find the conversation as well. Uh, but until next time, I am Rabbi Michael Anoff. I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And we shall be with you nevermore.